Welcome to Women Who Sarcast. I'm Kathy Barron. My guest, Madame Chastine, is a life and relationship coach and speaker who works to support members of the LGBTQ, non-monogamy, BDSM, and chronic pain communities. She's retired from both the corporate and sex work worlds. You can learn more about Chastine and her whole polyamory pod on their podcast, Pod Pod Cult Cast. And cult is spelled with a V instead of a U, so it's C-V-L-T. And at podpodcultcast.com, where they talk about non-monogamy, kink, and living and loving together. So welcome, Chastin, and thank you so much for being on Women Who Sarcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? I'm well. You know, polyamorous, you know, that... The word, it just, I get tongue-tied sometimes, so I am going to apologize ahead of time in case I don't, you know. It's okay. Yeah, you can always shorten it. We say polyam sometimes. Polyam, okay. Um, which, polyam, so it's a little bit better. Polyamorous can be a lot. Um, and it's just a part of non-monogamy, which is also a mouthful sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> loving multiply. <laughs> Many loves. Many loves. I like that. So you describe yourself as polyamorous, who is in an open marriage and in a closed polyamorous relationship with your other long-term partner. Yes. So that's a lot. And for those who aren't familiar with the poly community, can you kind of like elaborate or maybe... Um, clue us in as to what exactly that means for you? Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I started life out things the social norm kind of way. You know, I started out dating in a monogamous, you know, one person with another person way. and, And it didn't really work for me. And I went through life wondering why things felt uncomfortable for me and things felt like they didn't just fit. And I would have relationships and go, well, but I also care about this person and I don't understand why this is, why there's this limiting factor. And I don't understand why we can't have conversations about this and why it's hurtful. If I don't have feelings of jealousy It was all very confusing for me at the time. And then I met the person who would become my husband. And he and I dated. And we had conversations. And I had had experiences um, being involved with couples. And where I sort of kind of dated the couple. And he had had experiences being a couple who sort of kind of dated another gal. And so he and I agreed that we love one another and we are open to having other people that we care about in our relationship in some kind of way, be it sexually or emotionally. But the dream became sort of just having a household full of people that we care about. And 
that was a dream that was a, a long, long time down the road. And he and I had a very complicated relationship and we made a lot of mistakes. And so we fucked up a whole lot and we hurt one another and we hurt other people. And then we kind of started doing it better and started having better conversations and started learning and growing together. And then we finally joined the community of people who were also having similar relationships and we started having conversations with them and we found out, hey, we're not alone in this world. We're not just some weirdo married couple that that likes seeing other people or involving other people in their, their relationship or dating separately or what have you, that there are people who are like us. We realized that in our relationship, Maybe we felt differently about one another, but we still loved one another, and that was also okay. And so he has a long-term partner who lives with us, and I have a long-term partner who does not live with us, but I say he has an apartment across town. My husband has another long-term partner who doesn't live with us, and... By long term, I'm saying a couple of years, several years. Um, he's been with Hannah for four years. I've been with Eric for two and a half years. So these are invested relationships, not fresh relationships. I've been married since 2008, so quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's been a learning process. So open marriage to my husband and I means that we can explore relationships with other people and we can have conversations about it with one another. And for the most part, we just kind of do our own thing. We have separate bedrooms. We live our separate lives, but we live those separate lives together in the same household. And we manage a household. We have a child um, that's a grown-up child who is aware of what polyamory is and knows our partners. When you think of poly, for me, I mean, I have a hard enough time just being with one person, let alone three right. or four. Right. And so how do you get to see each other? Are there agreements? Do you like have a family meeting? I mean, is there a schedule? How does that work for you? So the the joke in the non-monogamy community is always about Google Calendar being the one that you actually have the relationship with. Right. Um, so I am... I am very blessed because um, my chosen family, my polyamory pod, uh, wanted to do a podcast together. <laughs> right. So I know that I'm probably going to get to see my partner at least every weekend. Well, not right now because pandemic. Right. But uh, that that I get to talk to my partner when we podcast. Um, but prior to the pandemic, I knew that I would get to see my partner every weekend because he would come over and then spend the night and then the next morning we'd podcast together. I am very much a feral cat. I value my alone time. I work from home. I'm uh, disabled. My dog is my <laughs> non-human life partner. My dog is the one that gets to sleep in my bed all the time. Right. Anybody else is just a guest. <laughs> so, yeah, like planning out planning out time is definitely a choice. Um, you know, with my husband, it's less about, you know, it's never about getting permission. It's more about informing the other partner. Mm. Um, because we're housemates, we... 
we have an agreement that if somebody was going to come over that evening, we have to let the rest of the household know by noon Mm. so that they can be emotionally prepared for somebody to be in the house. And if we're going to be out, it's kind of the same thing. Like, hey, I'm not going to be home for dinner. So that the person who's in charge of making dinner that night or that there's a meal plan, we just try to know at the beginning of the week who's going to be around so that we can plan, so that we're not, you know, wasting food and wasting money. Right. So it's just out of courtesy more than anything. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so in terms of our household living with my husband and his girlfriend, you know, that's just mostly about roommate management and roommate courtesy in terms of scheduling dates and things like that. It's more about just making sure that we are choosing to spend quality dedicated time and not just taking time for granted. Mm. So it's all about making a conscious choice to spend time with somebody and focus your attention on them and being present and being mindful. Right. So is there any kind of like jealousy or anything like that, that that creeps into the relationship? Absolutely. All the time. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. Um, You know, there's this myth that, you know, people who are in non-monogamous relationships just don't get jealous. You know, I am probably one of the most jealous people that I know. Jealousy is really an umbrella emotion. And if we stop question where it's coming from, it's easier to handle. So for example, I get jealous about things when I feel like they are being taken away from me or when I feel insecure. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like I am losing time with a partner or if I feel like someone is catching my partner's eye in a way that I wish I could, those are things that I can take a look at and ask myself, okay, where is this coming from? Is it that maybe I ask for quality time with my partner instead of worrying about time I'm losing? If I'm worried about the time that they're spending with someone else, when did I last last ask for that special time? Yeah, and I think it sounds like communication is key, too, among the group. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just being mm-hmm. able to it express really what your needs are and it is boundaries. setting boundaries, boundaries, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> boundaries, and communication, and just just talking. You know, we we have an entire episode we just called "Talk to Your Partner." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you know, you know, like you watch sitcoms and like the whole sitcom plot would just go away if somebody would just turn around and tell them what's go tell the other person what's going on. Right. Like I feel like most relationships could be fixed if somebody would just turn around and tell their partner like, hey, this is how I feel. This is what I want. This is what I need. Can you do this stuff for me? Oh, you can? Awesome. Or no, you can't? Okay. Well, let's find a workaround or let's find a compromise or let's collaborate. Right. <laughs> <It's-> right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, me included, are, you know, afraid of being rejected. And mm-hmm. so what are some common misconceptions about polyam? Um, I think the biggest one is that we're all getting laid all the time, that we're all having a lot of sex. And that's not necessarily true. Um, first of all, because not all relationships are about sex. 
Um, not all relationships are sexual. Some mm-hmm. romantic relationships don't have a sexual component. And I think the other misconceptions are like the jealousy thing. There are misconceptions that you have to be friends with your partner's partner. Um, so, you, like I said, I'm very blessed that I, you know, I live with my husband. You know, we have a house. And last fall, we invited his girlfriend to move in with us. Her lease was up and it just worked out. There's a term for that. It's called kitchen table polyamory, where everybody can literally sit around the kitchen table and enjoy a meal and sit down and be friends. That's not required. Different types of non-monogamy and polyamory. Um, there's relationship anarchy. There's parallel polyamory, where you may not even you know, know anything about your partner's partner's past important conversations, like things like STI testing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Other misconceptions can be that it's unsafe because of STIs, that it's promiscuous. Um, It goes back to the sex thing, that we're all having sex all the time, therefore we're at higher risk for STIs. Um, And typically, it's been my experience that people in non-monogamous relationships who have that as their lifestyle choice and relationship choice have a regular testing schedule and have, because it's more on the radar, they're more aware of it and therefore more careful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty awesome because we should always know our status. Right. So what are the terms that you're most often called to define? Like I I listened to your episode and you'd mentioned unicorn hunting and... Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of that before. Sounds like a lot of fun, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, unicorn hunting is a, it, it, I mean, it is a lot of fun, but you have to go about it ethically. Uh, so unicorn hunting is when a couple, typically a cis male and a cis female or a male identifying person and a female identifying person team up and go on the search for a mythical creature known as the available bisexual female identifying person who will date this couple and only them and give up any sort of agency in that relationship meaning that they that this person will not you want to change that couple's relationship or make any demands on that couple, but that couple can make all sorts of demands on the 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 mythical creature that is the the bisexual um, female who is going to date this couple and be the woman of their dreams and and fulfill all of their weird threesome fantasies and <laughs> and that's unicorn hunting. So the it's you know the unicorn is this the is the lady. Are there certain things that even you are like, you sound a little taken aback or put (laughs) off by this unicorn hunting thing. Are there things within the poly community that you're like, yeah, I don't agree with that. And yeah, that's wrong. And yeah, that's (laughs) not my cup of tea. So I have been the unicorn. I have been a unicorn hunter. (laughs) (laughs) I have pursued ladies uh, with, with partners of both genders uh and but i tried to do so ethically mm-hmm. and ethically meaning meaning that the whole thing about them not having any kind of agency mm-hmm. is not cool i think that anytime you want to involve yourself with another person they always have their own consent and they always have the right to speak up and 
ask for things and state their needs and form relationships with individuals, not with a couple. So when you have three people, they're not on, there's not only that relationship between the three people, but there's also the relationship between all of the individuals, individual pairings within those three people. And sometimes two people might be more attracted to each other than, you know, it just, it works in ways. And I think that typically you have to, you have to account for the fact that people are human beings and that, that you don't just get what you want because you want it. Mm. And that's what we take into account. This is behavior that we see a lot. Yeah. We see it frequently. You see it on dating apps a lot. Uh, Tinder, yeah. primarily. It's it's fun to swipe through Tinder and go like, oh, they're looking for their unicorn. How cute. Uh, or it's fun to, it's also fun to swipe through Tinder and go like, oh, it's a unicorn. Well, let me right swipe on that <laughs> and jump into that inbox. So, And unicorn hunting is about, is about, two people having a very specific fantasy and imposing it upon everybody else. So do you feel like that's where some of the misconceptions come from is because of that? I mean, there's, I mean, in any community, whether it's gay, straight, bisexual, there's always some behavior that happens that people generalize and think that the whole group is doing it. I think that's with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think we also have things like porn to blame um, because so much porn comes from male gaze and that's, you know, male fantasy. And as Americans, we're so repressed. And I think that a lot of the misconceptions are so centered around sex yeah. that it's ridiculous. And and non-monogamy has nothing to do with sex. It's all about relationships and communication styles. So... It's it's interesting that it always goes back to what's in our pants, yeah. Well, and I think it's also hard for people sometimes to grasp that you're in a relationship with more than just one other person, that there's right. a group of people and how much sense does that really make? And, you know, exactly. so I think it's kind of a foreign thing for some people. How difficult is it as far as emotions and being emotionally attached to someone who... And I'm sure this is kind of like having to do with the communication and the boundaries, but it just sounds very exhausting and tired emotionally. Honestly, it's uplifting emotionally. Mm -hmm. So if you think of it in terms of friends, Mm -hmm. we all have friends. We all have family members that we care about. We don't run out of love for our friends and family just because we make new friends and there are new family members that are born into the world. Um, we have we have love for the new people that come into our lives that we're excited about. And when we're excited about new friendships, sometimes we lose touch with some of the older friendships, but we are always able to go reconnect with them. And that's really how these relationships work. You know, I have friends that I've had my entire life that I can talk to once every five years and we're good. I have people that I love very deeply that it's not in any way a romantic or sexual, you know, I wouldn't want to have a relationship with them, but they're just as important to me as my husband. Mm -hmm. They're just as important to me as my partner. And if they called me and they had an emergency, I would prioritize them with both of them. Um, And I place my friendships on the same level as my romantic relationships because those relationships fulfill me. Friendships fulfill me. Mm -hmm. So, when you think of it in those terms, I hope it's easier to understand that 
our hearts and our love and our emotions don't run out just because we're giving energy elsewhere. And I think that a relationship only exhausts us if it's not healthy. Right. And communication only wears us out if it's pushing our boundaries and we're not enforcing our boundaries. And we only lose energy when it's taken from us as opposed to giving it. We like giving things to people. We enjoy giving gifts. We enjoy giving the gifts of our love. But when our energy is taken from us, when we're in relationships that are toxic, when we're with people who are controlling or abusive, that's hurting our spirit and hurting our heart. And those relationships, whether they're non-monogamous or monogamous, they're just not good for us. I'm in a healthy relationship with my long-term partner that is so beautiful and wonderful and it doesn't have to move forward or progress or turn into an engagement and then a marriage and then he and I buy a house together and I have a marriage that doesn't have to change in any way because we just respect that we're going to make good decisions as individuals and that we're going to communicate about it. Yeah. No, that was great. I really love your description and how you explained it that way because it's totally a lot clearer and makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, And it's true. We all have friendships and we have people that are at different levels of our relationship, whether romantic or Mm -hmm. friendship or family. So I can totally understand that. What are some pitfalls And what are some benefits to being in a poly relationship? Okay, so I'm going to go with pitfalls first. Um, I think that pitfalls, when you're in a amorous relationship, it can be really easy to get wrapped up in new relationship energy. And new relationship energy is that stuff that happens when you're really excited about somebody you're first dating. And if you have multiple partners, not act as responsibly about your other relationships. So it's really important to remember that all of your relationships need tending and care at all times. So just because you're excited about something, the other people that you love and care about still need to be fed and watered too. So if you have somebody that you're excited about, my recommendations are to make sure that every date you schedule with a new person, schedule a fun thing to do with your existing partners as well. You'll find that your calendar fills up quickly and it prevents another poly pitfall, which is becoming polysaturated. <laughs> and po- <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and it's exactly what it sounds like, I'm sure. It is exactly what it sounds like. That's when you have you know, multiple relationships and you have hit your limit. That means that you have no more emotional space, calendar space, time, (laughs) energy for one more relationship. So, you know, consider what you want and what you're willing to work with in terms of other people and their time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the last poly pitfall that I will mention is just not knowing how to set boundaries, Uh, Boundary setting is a skill that we all need as human beings, and I think it's something that we're not necessarily taught growing up. And, you know, I think it's even, I know for me, especially like 
being female identifying and especially being very femme, you know, my mother raised me to defer to male presences. And that was very damaging to my psyche growing up. And it took a long time for me to recover from that and to like really hone my identity as a, a very independent and very confident person because I felt like I had to go like, okay, I, I'm a woman, so I need to make sure that I act with service when I am around male family members and when I'm in a relationship with someone who is male. And that is how I spent the, you know, very earliest years of my dating life because I was very closeted and because I didn't, you know, I didn't have the skills nor the, you know, upbringing to support me and say, you know, so that I could say, no, that's not something that I want to do. No, that's not something that I would enjoy. How did you learn tools to have boundaries or how did what what kind of did something happen in a relationship kind of like shift that mindset it's actually kind of complicated so I think I learned boundaries in my marriage I definitely learned boundaries through therapy Mm -hmm. I think I primarily learned boundaries through being involved with um, kink and being involved with sex work and being involved with um, non-monogamy, like being involved with communities. I think the concept of consent was not something that I understood uh, even into my late 20s. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give an independent young woman who's considering entering a poly relationship? I think that as women, we have a misconception that we need other people. And I did a thing a couple of years ago. I was in seven relationships at one time. And I wasn't happy. And I had done a lot of self-work. I had done a lot of self-discovery. I was doing a lot of self-care. I was doing all of the mindfulness. I was doing all the things that I thought that I should be doing. And and I was doing the art therapy and drawing mandalas and, and all of that stuff. And... But the thing I wasn't doing was I wasn't being with myself. And I was seeking relationships because relationships allowed me to not have to spend time with myself. I encourage anybody to experiment with open relationships. I encourage anybody to experiment with non-monogamy. I encourage anybody to experiment with any kind of relationship style that feels right for you, that is discussed in an open and honest way with your partner, that you consent to, and that your partners consent to. But first, ask yourself, are you trying to do this because you feel like you need something? Or are you doing it because you want to explore and you want something? Because if you're trying to have a relationship with another person because you think you need someone else, I feel like that's the wrong motivation. We need human connection. That is a true and deep need. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we need socialization. But we don't need romantic relationships. That's not the type of stuff that we need. We need sex. That's a biological need. We need orgasms because they feel nice. We need that stuff. 
But romantic connection is not a requirement for all of that. Mm -hmm. We can get oxytocin. We can get romantic feelings. We can kiss and hug our friends. We can cuddle with our friends. We can have cuddle dates. We can have closeness and intimacy with people without getting involved with them. So I want people to consider perhaps because this is a thing that I did and it really did help me. And I'm not telling anybody they have to do it, but just consider it. Date yourself. If you can date yourself, then you can date anybody else successfully, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I dated myself for six months, mm -hmm. and we ended on a good note. We That's ended good. positively. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> At first, it was scary. And, you know, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not a go and do things by myself kind of person. I'm not somebody who walks up to people and says hi, or at least I didn't used to be, but now apparently I just talk to people in elevators. And I <laughs> kind of attribute that to dating myself for a while because right. when I dated myself, I started connecting with people in a different way because I felt more confident and I felt better about who I was because I felt good about the conversations I was having with myself in my head. Mm-hmm. I felt like my self-talk, and not everybody has self-talk, not everybody has an internal dialogue, but the internal dialogue that I have was a lot healthier and a lot more positive after I was just spending some time settling with what was going on inside right? and just being with myself. So if you want to jump into the non-monogamy world, there's a great book. It's called Opening Up, and it's a guide for open relationships. It has a great workbook in the middle that uh, shows you how to walk through a relationship agreement. It has different um, anecdotal models of different types of relationships from um, different shapes like thruples and and tri like triads, dyads, relationships where one person is monogamous and the other people are non-monogamous. And it's got a lot in it and I think it's a great book it's a book that helped my husband and I out when we were just starting um, to shift from dating people together to dating people separately mm -hmm. which was a big deal for us right. uh, I highly highly recommend that book I think the biggest resource is yourself yeah <laughs> just if you can if you can sit down with yourself and ask yourself what you really want and why do you want it then you can talk to your partner about it and I think people are afraid to date themselves mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because they don't want that quiet, you know, that alone time or going out to dinner by themselves seems too weird. And, you it's know, terrifying. going to the movies by themselves is too weird and they don't want to be judged or, you know, society just totally mind fucks a lot of people a lot of the time. It does. But I do recommend it as well. Um, so let's talk about your podcast real quick. I don't think we've really yeah. talked about that much. And I'd really want to dive into that a little bit. So tell me more about um, Pod Pod Cult Cast. Yeah, the Pod Pod Cult Cast. It's cult with a V. So we started it in September of last year. And it was brewing for about two years of us sitting around the table in our kitchen the morning after we would have play parties. So we have a, um, a BDSM dungeon on the second floor of our house and we have a select group of friends that we throw parties for. And we, the morning after we would just sort of kind of do a recap and talk about 
stuff we did, stuff we saw, stuff we enjoyed, stuff we thought was funny. And I think it just came up one morning and we said, you know, this would be a great podcast. And we all listen to podcasts. We consume them daily. And it just was a, it was a little joke. And then it became less of a joke. And I'm the one, (laughs) I'm the one who is like the doer. So if, if you have an idea around me, I'm the one who like gets on Amazon and starts ordering stuff. Right. So you can't like, so my husband, my husband talks about this all the time about the fact that he has to like, like tell me pre- preemptively, Hey, I have an idea. Chastin, it's just an idea. Do not start doing anything. <laughs> so they have to have like and, a, you know, a disclaimer beforehand. Yeah, he does. He does. So finally I was given permission to start doing something and so within a period of about a week, we had all of the equipment and I had set up our Patreon and wow. we finally sat down and did it and it felt good. And the thing that was cool was we, you know, we listened to a lot of podcasts and we were not hearing a podcast about polyamory and a podcast or a podcast about kink and sex that was really for us. Mm. And we wanted to connect with people who like us, people who were just trying to do their best and learn stuff. And we wanted to share the stuff that we were learning. And my partner had just moved his girlfriend into the house. And I thought, well, this is something that I don't know anything about. And I couldn't find any resources anywhere. So maybe we should talk about it. Because if I can't find any resources, Nobody maybe else can. Yeah. other people are looking. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we thought we would just talk about it and just kind of share and fill the need so that's that's how it came up yeah fill the need and we figured like what the hell the thing we didn't expect was that it would bring us closer together we did not expect that it would open us and create a sense of intimacy longing and family that we we had on a surface level but it just really just you know, we were having deeper, deeper conversations because, you know, you know it. There's something weird that happens when you get behind this microphone. <laughs> it just and you like, talk your to strangers, and up. well, you're not talking to strangers yeah. necessarily, but you know, yeah. you definitely open yeah, up. Yeah, definitely open up. We started sharing things that we'd never told each other before, and here we were sharing it with the world, and it was. It's been kind of mind-blowing, and we find that, you know, when we don't get to podcast together, we miss it. Our friends who listen to it tell us that it's like sitting sitting in our, li- in our living room and listening to us talk at a party, and that was exactly what we wanted to put into the world. And and if, if that's the effect we're having, then we're thankful that we're doing it. And right. so we talk about polyamory, we talk about kink, we talk about sex, we talk uh, about, um, you know things that happen in the world related to that on our patreon we talk about media representation and we share parts of our lives that we don't share in in our general podcast Um, we call that the cult cast media club and uh, we have a a community that we just started Um, it's podpodcultcast.com slash community and it's a discord channel we have and we're trying to get in there and play some game we just did a trivia night last night and Basically, it was a couple of our patrons watching us play trivia with each other, which was fine and fun. <laughs> and I lost, even though I wrote the trivia questions. I don't know how that happened. Um, 
It takes talent for that to happen, Justin. <laughs> a special talent. I'm not entirely sure what kind of talent that is, but I have it. I've got the I've got the magic touch. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and so we're we're trying to like make sure that we provide spaces for people to come hang out and that's open for anybody just to come hang out because, you know, I think that if, if anything, especially right now, people need to be able to have places they can come hang out and be together. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate you being on the show and I've learned a lot and I'm hoping my listeners will learn and understand better. Yeah. You know, the polyamory community, because I, I think it's a, very misunderstood community. And again, I, I appreciate you being on and being so honest and open. Thank you so much for having me. And we're always happy to answer questions. So, you know, you, anybody can hit us up on our social media at our website. And we're so happy to help anyone. You can find Chastin at Pod Pod Cult Cast, And that's cult with a V. And at podpodcultcast.com. Thank you for listening to Women Who Sarcast. Show music provided by Mike Imbasiani. You can find him at mikeimbasiani.com. Mm-hmm.